Devil's Productions presents The Great Deep. Welcome to episode number 48 of The Great Deep. My name is Ryan Calder, your host for the show, and this podcast series runs parallel to the music of The Great Deep album and explores a bit deeper some of the issues and ideas and themes from the music. One of the songs that I've written is a song called Colorful World, and it's uh, inspired by my kids seeing the world through their eyes, seeing the world through wide-eyed wonder and um, looking at just how colorful and beautiful the world is and so today I have the huge privilege of talking with Naomi Holt. Naomi is an educational psychologist and as you'll hear she is really passionate about young people, children, parents and seeing healthy families thrive and so without further ado let's get to my interview with Naomi. Okay, so joining joining us on the Great Deep Podcast is Naomi Holtz. Naomi, thank you so much for for joining us. I think um, when people listen to this, they're not going to be aware of the time difference between us. So we're six hours apart. So you have woken up very early on a school morning um, in order to uh, meet and, and chat with me, and I really appreciate it. So so welcome to the podcast. Oh, awesome! I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So for those who don't know about you, could you give us just a, a brief um, summary, like where you're from, what you do, uh, where your interests are, et cetera, et cetera? So I am an educational psychologist and I'm in private practice in KZN, Peter Maritzburg and Hilton. Um, but I love, I'm absolutely passionate about parenting, everything to related to kids, to teens. So I do a lot of speaking and yeah, this is just where my heart lies in this kind of stuff. So, so that's me in a nutshell. I have two beautiful kids, Christian and Rachel, seven and nine years old. And yeah, love, love the parenting journey. It's jolly hard some days, but that's, I think, that's, I think why I also love working with parents so much is just because we're all in the same boat. We're all in this like messy life, messy journey of, of parenting and life together, but there's so much beauty in between it all. And that's what I think it's important for us to kind of refocus and find those moments too, and work out how to stumble best along it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. We, um, I think that's uh, um, the perfect segue into um, why I wanted to talk to you because uh, anyone who follows the great deep follows my music knows that um, that that's kind of integral to the songs and and also to all the the art and and stuff that I do is that you know family is important and uh, and children have a lot to teach us adults, right? So much! Oh my goodness! Like I don't actually think. We know half of ourselves before we have kids. And you think you've like got it figured and then you have children. And I mean, they have this amazing way of actually showing us exactly what we need to work on. And I think it makes it so hard, but also I think we've also got to relook at, wow, because my child is showing me what I need to work on within myself, they're actually helping me grow as a, as a human. And every day my kids are like 
yo, the things that they teach me just cause me almost gobsmacked with the lessons that I'm learning from from these two these two beautiful kids of mine and all the kids and teens that I work with too. I, I, honestly, I, I think they are amazing beings. <laughs> oh, they really are. They really are. So, Naomi, if you if you could narrow it down, um, as an educational psychologist, what would you say is the single greatest problem that you deal with most in parent-child relationships? When I, yeah, when, I, when I saw that, that, that was along the lines of what you were going to be asking. I was like, wow, Ryan, there's so many. Um, yeah, especially in today's kind of day and age. You know, when we're talking about the parent-child relationship, I think it's really, though, that kids, teens, they don't feel, one of the factors is they don't feel understood. They don't feel like adults get them. That's the one thing. Um, and, and very often parents will come in and there's like this them and us mentality. So the child is seen as the problem with whatever they're presenting as. And I kind of like to think of the visual as there's a fence. The child is on the one side. The parent is on the one side, the other side. And we've got to change that dynamic completely. We've got to see the child as with us, alongside us. And there's something in the relationship that we need to work on. So that's so often because, of course, then when the child becomes the problem, you see all sorts of kickoff issues from that because the child who feels like they're the problem will behave in a certain way. Um, their self-esteem will be impacted on. No child who feels bad about themselves can ever um, behave in any other way. And that's, I think, something that when I say this to parents, it often, it, it's often like it, it's, it's really when I say these words, they hit me straight and center, but that our children can only be who we see them to be. So they see themselves through our eyes. So it's so important that, again, going back to our own journey, that we've got to be working on ourselves and how we see them. And so often how we see them is actually our stuff got nothing to do with them so that very much I think the big thing is that us and them instead of this recognition and I often have to and and this thought comforts me on those really messy days when parenting has felt like oh my word I've stuffed up it's just been a disaster is to think of like life as a life without kids is a dance it's it's backwards it's forwards it's not meant to be I don't know if when we have kids, we like we, we, we think we might have it figured out. It's meant to be a certain way because we see what we think other people's, what's happening on social media, how perfect everyone else seems to be managing this. There's these expectations we put on ourselves and it's all a lot of rubbish. Like relationships are messy. We know our relationships with our spouses. I mean, they are not hassle-free. So why on earth, when we're under one roof, we are all different human beings but we kind of think it must go smoothly no it's this beautiful messy dance and some days it's going to be disastrous and that's also okay um the other thing that i think we do as adults is we have these adult expectations of our kids and we forget which is why it's so important that we understand where kids are developmentally even from a neurological perspective because our brains, human brains are developing until the mid-20s and we forget that so we expect our kids to be organized Remember to pick up their stuff. Like, remember to do the five things that we ask them. And then they don't, not because they are being naughty or disobedient or disrespectful, but because they are being kids or being teens or they're being appropriately where exactly where they need to be. But then we lose it with them. And that causes a disconnection in the relationship. So that's why I think, like, such an important part of parenting is actually just understanding where our kids are at. Because 
if we can understand where they're at developmentally, we also know where they struggle. And of course, reframing things from my child is driving me mad and giving me such a hard time to, oh, wow, my kid's really battling with this. Let me help. Or, oh, my goodness, Naomi, that was like so unrealistic of you to expect them to actually do. It also really helps. <laughs> so I think I think those are kind of, if we, if we really look at that, plus the other, the last thing I want to mention, as I said, I mean, there's so many, we could probably talk all day about this. Um, and I'm so passionate about talking all about these kind of things, but probably one of the biggest things that is an issue between parent-child relationships of all ages is actually parents who don't look in the mirror. And for me, that is one of the most important parts of parenting is the ability to every day haul out that parenting mirror, take a look at yourself and go, okay, what do I need to work on here? Because what happens is, you know, when that little baby is born and we're holding them in our arms, so often we'll either, whether we consciously or unconsciously, we look at that little person and we're like, I will raise you differently. I will do things differently. Yeah. But as life goes on, like we've been wired a certain way. Parenting is all about role modeling. So we've learned how to parent from the only textbooks that we had, which is our parents. So unless we actively kind of acknowledging and working on ourselves, all the time, we're going to keep falling back into our wiring of maybe parenting how we were parented. And we know that so much has changed from what we know from Arisha's perspective about what our kids need and how they should be being parented. And what, you know, those traditional, I don't know how you were parented, Ryan, but we were like the wrath of God kind of parenting. And we know now, and so many people were, like that is you're looking at how to grow a brain and how to raise a child. Well, you're going to keep them in fear and completely hinder and stunt their development and create the likelihood for anxiety and depression if you parent like that. So <laughs> we got to haul out that mirror and go, okay, whoa, what is my default being? And what are my triggers here? And what do I need to change? So, yeah, that's, that's in a nutshell. <laughs> a fascinating um it's a fascinating world we find ourselves in now with the research that is, you know, just so readily available uh, that we can kind of reflect on, 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 you know, as you say, like how we were parented and then also like look in the mirror and um, it's, it's, it's really a bit of a mind bender. I, I must be honest. I find it like, well, this is actually just too much. I need a nap right now. Um, <laughs> and it can feel like that but i think that's also what we have to it's it's actually yes we can think oh my word like this is yeah. all just too much but at the core of it i mean for me it's so exciting because we're not just doing things because of the way they've always been done like we know better and let's be honest like it doesn't feel good to shout at your kids and to and of course we're human we're all going to do that sometimes but that kind of old traditional way of parenting it doesn't it leaves the kid feeling terrible about themselves it leaves us feeling awful and it leaves us disconnected from them and healing and growing and any relationship building is connection so if we can find ways to navigate how do we get through this parenting thing with our primary aim as a strong connection um, and be more embracing and accepting of our imperfections and our human mistakes, which gives our kids, of course, permission to be human and make those mistakes too. Well, it's that much easier. You see, when we set up, well, oh, oh my word, like I need to remember that they're this age and these are the expectations. I just, let's just take a breath. Like humanly, we're imperfect. They're imperfect. We embrace one another on that journey. 
it makes it that much more likely that we're going to find so much more joy along the way. Um, I yeah. mean, my kids just know I'm, I'm an absolute stuff up. So, you know, I stuff up completely some days. And with those days that I do, and I say, oh, my word, guys, like, I'm so sorry. They usually throw the, I mean, the last time that I had to apologize to my daughter, because we got to own our mistakes. She just, her words were, so, she threw her arms around. She said to me, mom, it's okay. You're just human. And I thought, awesome, because she's got it. We can stuff up so they can stuff up. And that's our human journey. Whereas how we were raised was parents never said sorry. And you have to be perfect. So there's high expectations. I mean, just saying that makes me anxious. So. <laughs> I also find, I, I don't know, you probably find this a lot, and I've heard you talk about it as well, but um, the the lens through which children look at the world is so uh, beautiful, which is kind of why, you know, that, that was the song that we wanted to hinge this conversation on, A Colourful World, which is, you know, when I, when I look at, how my kids enter into something new it's just like it's amazing um and and to see it through their eyes is a uh is, is actually wonderful uh, if you can if you can get there if you can unravel all the you know i have to be x y and z as a parent and i've got to tick all these boxes i've got to know all the answers and da 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 da, da. but embracing the moments with with your kids like how like what what advice would you give to parents in, in terms of that is there like um a simple thing or some simple things that they can do to just see the world through their their child's eyes i think it's so important it's so hard let's just own it like in the world that we live in it is so hard to to stop to pause and to be in the moment but it is so absolutely important. And the first way that we do that is probably the hardest. And that is by our own stress and regulation. Like what are we doing as parents to reduce our stress? Because when we're stressed, we rushed, we literally, if when I, when I get a visual, I'm a very visual like person. When I get the visual of just the world that we live in, I see myself and everything around me is blurry because that's how fast we go. But in those blurry moments, we are missing exactly what you've spoken about, like the awesomeness and the beauty. And it still never ceases to amaze me. Like I'm always getting, mom, come and look out. And I'm like, oh my word, what? And then there's like, it's like a moth, you know, it's something, it, it's just the most. And, and when you pause and you can put your own stuff aside and that email aside and that message you have to answer aside in your head and like take a breath in the moment. And what I found, if you've got little kids, like actually get onto their level, get onto their level. So you are seeing the exact picture that they're, that they're seeing from their perspective. Um, and even if they're bigger than you, just stop and like step into where they're at um, and look at this thing. But to do that, we have to be able to put all else aside. So that, of course, means things like how are we looking after ourselves? Are we taking that 10 minute walk in the garden? Are we we underestimate? like self-care and the need to fill our own tanks in order to show up and be present for our kids and in their world as we need to. And then I think what's like, just because rush is, and, and it's been on my mind so much lately, it's, it's just this whole concept of how rushed we are. And I think it's got to do with that this year has felt absolutely crazy because I think we're trying to catch up for the few years that, that we in an essence missed. So it's been the fastest year yet, but it's meant the most rush, which 
sadly, I think has meant there's been so much more disconnection with our kids and less of these moments where we've allowed ourselves to stop. But probably one of the biggest things is that when our kids, if we think about it, and I mean, me as a parent, just because I've been working with kids, she's for like 33 years in different ways. But just because I've been doing that, it doesn't mean I don't need to remind myself of these things all the time and that they're not really hard to do because I'm also that crazy, busy working parent. But when our kid says, mom, dad, come look here, or they come to us with something, it's so easy to try and multitask, to keep going. What we actually have to train ourselves is this thing. It might seem little to me. This is huge to my kid and this matters to them. And by it mattering to me, I'm speaking volumes to them about how much they matter to me and their sense of self. So stop what you're doing. Close your laptop. Put down your phone. Stop chopping that carrot. Like whatever it has to be, go to them, make eye contact or get down on the level, look at what they're looking at and listen. But whether they're telling you about their day or they're showing you the worm or like, or whether they're telling you that your older child or teen, like about like the, the the conflict they had with their friend, it matters to them. So in our adult worlds, these things might seem trivial, but when our child feels that their world like really matters and we are that interested and we can see it through their eyes, it, it just, it's like, wow, my parent really cares. That must mean that I am worthwhile, that must mean that I am beautiful. My parent gets how awesome this water on the leaf is or how terrible my day was because this happened. So I think we just need to like find, I like to think in this rush, I think we need to fiercely fight for those pockets. We can't and we don't expect these like long periods of time of just lounging around, great if you can find those. But for most of us, that is just not a reality. So we've got to fight for those pockets, grab onto them, hold them, and in those pockets, like just be. If, if I think of two words, it's just be. In that moment, and here's the hard part, with no expectations. We need to throw our adult expectations out to get into the world of our kids. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Like, and, and be kind to yourself, I suppose, would be yeah. – um, because I, because I think there is there is an element of that where you you kind of you like I've got to do this and and actually just mm-hmm. like you say right in the beginning is like it's okay it's okay be kind to yourself be kind to your kids. Where um mm-hmm. I've heard you talk about kindness a lot in um social media posts and 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 places that you've spoken. Um, when when it comes to that, like how do you avoid reacting? in anger to those moments when your child just pushes your buttons. And, and I mean, children know how to push our buttons, right? Of course. <laughs> what can we do to stop? Is there anything we can do in those moments? To oh, stop? there's so much. There's so much. But again, I mean, we're, we're not going to get it right all the time. We're still going to be triggered. But I think the more aware we are and what I always like to remind myself, maybe I remind everyone else as well, but I mean, I'm reminding myself these things all the time too, that every time we get it right, it's like you're strengthening that brain wiring so that there's a, the greater likelihood of you getting it right the next time. But at the same time, as you said, kindness and compassion to yourself, we're going to have days we stuff up epically and get triggered. And that's also okay. Um, as long as we're going back, we're apologizing. We're just owning our humanity to our kids. But in that moment, I think we've first got to understand, well, firstly, um, when 
isn't it interesting? And I often say this to parents, like the days when you get triggered, sometimes you come home from work and you're like, I've had such a hard day. And now why is my child doing this today? Of all days. Well, they're doing that today because of your emotional state. You are in any case dysregulated. So you're that much more easily triggered. Plus our kids are mirrors and sponges, like bottom two lines here. They absorb everything and then they reflect it the only way they know how because their brains, they're not at the point where they can sit down and, and process it and say, you know, mom, dad, you've had such a hard day. Like, would you like a cup of tea and like to chat about it? That's just not going to happen. So they're going to suck it up and their behavior is going to reflect what's going on within us. So usually the first step when my kids are driving me crazy, I'm like, right, do a little, I call it the wand. You know that airport wand that you got? I know there's another name for it. So you go through and then it bleeps up and down if you've got anything metal on your, well, you, you haul out that wand, you do a quick little scan and you're like, okay, what is going on within me? First step that could actually be exacerbating my child's sense of self. Because automatically when we can do that, and when I, I know I can, so I know my work stress is a huge trigger. Just me being able to identify for a split second, okay, hang on, you've had a hard day. Immediately I'm less reactive because I know it's not my child's stuff, it's my stuff. But let's say they are having a hard time and they are pushing your buttons. I think neon flashing light in front of us, like my child is not giving me a hard time. My child is having a hard time. This is not personal. Okay. Flash, flash, flash. Also remembering that, and this is a hard one, that the things that we've been triggered on are usually signs of things within us as parents that we need to work on. So <laughs> it's like the, ooh, one of those, oh my goodness. Yes, you're right. So sometimes it's like good to just actually note those things down. What do I need to work on? Um, but going back to, okay, so the flashing signs, this is not personal because when we take something personal, we also kind of fly into that reactive zone and it becomes a defensiveness and a dysregulation. And actually, and then we are dysregulated and two dysregulated brains are never, ever, I think it's like two cobras fighting. You're only ever going to end up with a bloodbath. There's, there's no ways. So to we know that to help a dysregulated brain calm down, we need to be in a regulated state. We can't regulate unless we understand it is not personal. So the other way is just to reframe anger. Like when our child, when any human being is showing anger, actually anger is just defense against vulnerability. At the core of anger is always disempowerment. This isn't my child like pushing me away and intentionally being nasty. This is my child who is feeling so vulnerable. What does my child need? And going back to what you said about kindness, I think when we're like in a situation and we're like, I have no idea what to do right now. We've just got to, okay, what is the kindest thing I could do for my child right now? So the other way to like reframe all these like anger pushing boundaries is I like to use the porcupine mentality, I call it. Like, that porcupine, our kids, you're going to wake up in the morning and go, who am I going to like poke these quills into? They, and then go and find like a warthog or whatever. You know, the only time they're poking those quills is when they're feeling threatened, when something is sticking its head down their hole. So we gotta, our, our kids are only going to eject those quills when they're feeling vulnerable and threatened. And when we can look at it like that, it's that much easier for us to slip into helper mode instead of defensive fighting mode. Okay, but now let's say everything has gone pear-shaped. We have been triggered. Of course, we do that one. And then 
the quickest way to regulate ourselves because if we don't do that, we've got zero chance of, of being able to actually help our kids is, is actually to, to breathe. And we underestimate the power of breathing because in those moments, let's be honest, like no one wants to hang around and be near someone who's losing the plot, but our children need to, we, our presence means that they're safe. So even though if you're really triggered, the best thing you can do is say something to them like, I'm going to be back in a moment. I'm just going to calm myself down and I'll be right back. And then step out and breathe. And I'll talk about the breathing now before you step back in. But if you can, just to stay in this space, in those times, you don't have to say anything. You don't actually have to do anything. But your presence is powerful in terms of it's speaking non-verbally that you can let it on. Bring it on. I am big enough to hold these emotions. I am not scared of your emotions. They're overwhelming to you right now, but I've got this. So bring it on. Emotions are normal. So we're giving them so much nonverbal information at these times. And whether it's you just sitting in the corner of a room, obviously if you're like out in the, in the open, you wanna take them to a smaller room, not because you're punishing them, but because it's kind of a containment, a physical and emotional more containment. And you sit with them. And they might not write, want you right next to them. Then you sit at the door in the corner and you regulate yourself. That is the best way. Remember our children, because their brains are developing, the way that they learn regulation for themselves is through co-regulation. That has to happen, can only happen, when they've got a regulated brain alongside them or in their presence. So breathing as in not just like deep breathing, but actually things like focusing on two breaths in and then longer out, four breaths out through through the mouth. Like I put some stuff on Facebook at the moment. Actually, I'm busy putting a few videos on um, after requests. Just breathing techniques that help regulate us because, you know, research has shown in terms of stress, when our stress hormones are like kicked out and flooding our systems, the fastest way to bring us back to homeostasis is breathing. So when you are feeling activated and feeling triggered and you know that actually you need to show up and be there for your kid, for their needs, remember in that moment of their dysregulation, we are like the containers. That's what they need us for, to contain the overwhelming emotions. Then we breathe and you focus on those mantras like, I'm not a bad parent. I'm a good parent. Some days I have a hard day. My child is not a bad child. They're a good kid. They're having a really hard time. And this is not personal. That for me is like flash. Like I literally picture the neon sign flashing. And because it'll end. That's the other thing. You can think, oh my word, it will end. It will end. So you hold on. And when that storm ends, what is important is that your child can go, wow, I had a parent who could handle it. They could handle me. Otherwise, it's like they perceive rejection. The emotions are too big for us. They are not okay for us. And we never, ever want them to feel that way. Now, that kind of thinking flies in the face of um, timeouts, right? So for, yeah, so for, I don't know, for how long um, in education and, and in parenting, I've heard, no, just like, you know, if, if you lose it, if your child is losing it, time out. Yeah, go, go sit in the other room until you yeah, can breathe and then, then we'll talk, you know, and it also gives the parent the, the opportunity to calm down. But what you're saying is that it's like completely opposite to that. It's like actually be present in the, 
you know, in, in that space when it's all going down, but you yourself have to be grounded. So, yeah. so my question then is, do timeouts work or are they a farce? No, timeouts do. And I admit, and, and I say this because as parents, the more we know, um, the better we can do. And, you know, when my little girl was two, I remember, I, th- I think I started like suddenly realizing, whoa, hang on a second, this way is just not working. But but I remember I, I used to send her time out and she used to know she just used to take herself off to time out. And now I'm like, absolutely not. Because now, again, what we know about the brain and how the brain development develops and our children's needs and how we help them regulate. And my little one is a very emotional child. She's a highly sensitive child. So, you know, the emotions are extreme. When there's like a meltdown, it is a proper meltdown. But it has been amazing to see how what I just described last time in terms of us being in the space and holding those emotions, how that has literally, I cannot tell you how much it's helped. But what timeouts do is they're non-verbally saying, you shouldn't be feeling, your behavior is not acceptable, your big emotional space right now is not acceptable to me. And I can't deal with it. You need to. And actually what we're expecting in times that we're expecting our children to regulate themselves. That's why we do it. We're like, go and calm down. And then we can sort of, we know the brain cannot do that. Yes, they might eventually like literally nothing. Like, you know, what, what's developing then is a child who kind of believes my emotions are too big. My parents can't handle this. And the likelihood for something at a later stage, like anxiety and depression. And again, we, we are giving, we are feeding them the information from the youngest age that, emotions are not acceptable in this home. Now I think about the kids, the the older kids and the teens that I deal with who are anxious, who are depressed. So many of them have been raised in homes where emotions weren't spoken about or they were punished. I mean, when I was growing up, emotions were punished. Um, And and unfortunately, so many of the kids and teens, emotions just are not spoken. They're dismissed, they're ignored because they're too overwhelming. Emotions are, emotions can make many of us feel vulnerable as adults because we can't control them and we shouldn't want to. Um, but when we can understand that what our kids need in that in that moment to learn to regulate again, going is us being in a regulated state, staying there with them. Then we understand you want to grow the brain, and isn't that our aim as parents? If we think about, it's actually to grow our children's brain. It really it's to help them on that journey of brain growth. Well, mm. we're not doing them any favors by sending them away. So yeah. Yeah. time out, no time in. Yes, even if time in means you're sitting in the corner of the bedroom, time in. That's amazing. Naomi, I want I want to uh, touch on grandparents for a minute because um, in in my uh, world and in my work, it's been one of those things that I've really I, I've noticed. I've noticed the difference, and and I remember my my boss uh, when I was a journalist. Uh, when we found out that we were going to have our first baby, I said, well, I'm open to any parenting advice that you are willing to give me. And he sort of leaned back in his chair like an old sage and, and said, grandparents. And I said, I beg your pardon? And he said, no, if you've got, if you've got a good relationship with your folks, um, the benefits of grandparents extend way beyond babysitting. So my question to you would be, what role do grandparents play in the lives of children and what role do those grandparents play in the lives of um, their own children? So there's like, you know, if you understand the question, that there's sort of three tiers going on there. 
I think it's such a, it's such a huge topic. And there are, of course, so many sides to it because, yes, the side that you talked about, which is the positive and so much value. And grandparents are incredible impact, um, have an incredible impact. And in terms of just the, the positives, we know that, um, you know, children's resilience is so is increased so much when they have a sense of belonging and a sense of self and a sense of self that extends beyond my immediate family. So there was a way before me. There, there's a history here. And, you know, grandparents, I think they're often the was and I've had so many, even of the kids that I've worked with, they're like, oh, and my, my granddad used to tell these stories. So there's this richness in who I am. I'm not just, I didn't just begin like when I was born. There's this whole history here that where I come from. And for me, we live in a world. And one of the big problems is that kids don't have roots. They don't have a sense of real belonging. And of course, in our rushed lives as parents, sometimes it's hard. It becomes harder for us to give them that. And that's where I think grandparents. So yes, that sense of, of kind of, there's a history here. There was a before me, there will be an after me. I'm like a part of something bigger than me. How awesome. I mean, that just gives me goosebumps talking about it. And then of course, just to know, you know, our kids can never have enough people that they feel love them, that they feel fully accepting of them. And kind of for a lot of our kids, um, grandparents are the safe space where you're not going to get into trouble for everything they'll probably pick up your shirt if you leave it on the floor like you get that extra cookie like it's the safe happy space where you can just share with adults who you know really care about you and we can never have our kids can never have enough of that I mean I know you know in my life there's only one set of grandparents my husband's parents and and I, I can see the the difference and I feel that loss for my kids so if you've got parents in your life and grandparents to your kids like awesome because the more the better of course the flip side to that and we'll just to actually stay on that the practical support for parents nowadays in terms of reducing stress and of course the more our parents parenting stress is reduced the better our own relationships with our our children but we've seen that shift as well from decades ago when now grandparents are so much more involved in picking kids up from school getting them to swimming because parents are so busy. So in that sense, grandparents are like the added glue that really helps keep families functioning, keeps family units close together um, and more connected and less kind of all over the place. Because without grandparents and those of us that don't have grandparents on hand all the time, it's a, a parenting is that, you know, when you can't fetch your child, it, it's like, well, what are we going to do? So from a practical point of view, I think grandparents are so important, but that emotional sense of biggerness and connection and history and rootedness and warmth and love, all of that's so important. And of course, then to the parents as well. But there's also, and I often say that, unfortunately, there's the flip side as well, where so many people have toxic relationships with their parents and adults have toxic relationships with their parents. And, you know, as parents, what we need to remember is no matter how old our children are, the parent-child relationship is always up to us. And uh, so I think it's, and that for our kids growing up is so important to remember. And I see so many adults um, in therapy who, who are, are so filled with grief because of the relationship that they have with their parents that isn't what they would like. And they take so much guilt for that, so much ownership. But it's up to us as parents, no matter our age, to always ensure a good relationship with our children. I'm amazed at, and I know you've got you've got a busy day ahead of you. I am 
I, I'm amazed at how um, how the research has just it seemed to me anyway it seems to have accelerated in the last 10 20 years in terms of you know how we um, how we parent uh, and, and what we know also developmentally about ourselves and about children and teenagers but it's fascinating hearing you um, just enlighten and put a spotlight on some of those things I really really appreciate your time Naomi so thank you very much and uh, where can people get a hold of you if they want to chat more about anything that you've spoken about? They can email um, info at naomiholt.com or then also just pop onto my website, which is naomiholt.com um, and you'll get some contact details there or Facebook, Naomi Holt Psychologist and Speaker or Instagram, Naomi Holt Psychologist. Um, but thank you for having me. It's been awesome. As I, love, I could talk all day about these kind of things. There was so oh, much more to say. We could, um... we, could go for, <laughs> we could go forever, you and I, but I uh, really appreciate yeah. your time, Naomi. So thanks. Thank you very much. <laughs> thanks Ryan cheers well as you can hear Naomi is uh, full of energy passion and has a lot of wisdom and insight into some of these areas and so um, I really enjoyed chatting to her and hopefully you uh, enjoyed listening to this got something out of it if you have any ideas or comments please feel free to post them below or get in touch with me via email facebook instagram or twitter all the links will be posted in the show notes as well as naomi's links but that's it for this episode of the podcast and as usual don't forget to like subscribe and share if you enjoyed this and check out other episodes leave a comment and join the discussion until next time keep pondering the great deep <laughs>